Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? And so, you know, if I was tired in the morning, my response would be, of course you're tired. The the baby woke up at 2.30 in the morning. Of course you're tired, get going. Uh, if, you know, I had too many glasses of wine at a cocktail party last night for work, and I woke up in the morning feeling tired, I would be like, of course you're tired. You drank more wine than you should have. Get going. And I had a very um, matter of fact way of dealing with things, which in retrospect, I'm realizing um, served me well for a time, but was never going to serve me well forever. How did we lose our empathy for each other and ourselves? I suspect it's the race of life and striving for success. In the haste and pace, we forget that life is a journey to be enjoyed. My guest is Georgia Reynolds, and our discussion is the rediscovery of empathy. Back in the early 90s, Georgia had a Saturday job in a shoe store in Toronto. On her break, she wandered the mall looking at the power suits in the store windows, and she thought it would be so cool to have a job and wear one of those. And when the time came, she did not need a power suit. Her passion was always people and hairdressing. She went to college, qualified and worked behind the chair for over 10 years. It was a wonderful place to grow up and explore relationships with co-workers and clients. Although she did not recognise it at the time, she had discovered the power of empathy. Because when connecting with people in the chair, it built a bond that carried over between appointments. Well, life moved on. She met and married and started a family. And it was while on maternity leave that she was offered a position as a corporate trainer for a leading beauty brand. The dream had arrived. She started her corporate life and not a power suit was in sight. The first five years were amazing. She travelled the country training hairdressers and salons to use and promote the products. She excelled in the role and she was recognised for her abilities and took on more responsibility. After 10 years, she was traveling the world doing 60-hour weeks, tiredness was normal, and life had become about box-ticking and surviving. It was when her daughter turned 13 that she suddenly realized she had missed the journey. She had forgotten what it meant to feel and experience the emotions of life. 
it was time to stop and make some changes. So she quit the job and returned to the salon chair for a year of reflection and sabbatical. Our conversation is about her rediscovery of empathy, bringing her life back into balance and how she is sharing those discoveries. Today, Georgia is back in corporate training, teaching the value of empathy to business leaders and teams. It's all about building community within the business and seeing beyond the spreadsheets and the ticking of a box. Let's join the conversation with Georgia Reynolds. Thank you so much for being here and spending some time with me today. So this is life, passion and business, and we're all about the story, the journey. What's it been like for you? How did you get to where you are now? I was thinking about it in the last couple of weeks, actually, and I had this memory of being 17 and working in the mall. I was working at a shoe store and uh, I can't believe I forgot this, but it just popped in my head and I would walk through the mall. And at that time, it was uh, early 90s and kind of a power suit was really a thing. And I remember walking through the mall on the way to the shoe store or, you know, on my lunch break and seeing stores um, that had these in the window, you know, red power suits or navy blue power suits. And I had a, I remember like, it would be so cool to have a job where I wore those. That would be so cool. Like, that's when I'm like grown up. You know you've made it when you've got a power yeah, suit. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, which is so different than what you would actually wear to work today, no matter what your role is. But mm. I do recognize that. And I, I'm surprised that I forgot that. Um, what I was thinking about when I remembered it is uh, the idea of, or not the moment when I was pretty excited to get a corporate job. Mm. I had, uh, I've I started my career as a hairdresser. I was a hairdresser behind the chair for 10 years. Mm. And uh, hairdressing is an amazing job. It's uh, an amazing place to grow up, actually, because you are in a place where you're dealing with so many different personalities, kind of like an hour or two hours at a time. And those personalities are your coworkers, they're your person in your chair. Uh, You build this really crazy connection that is an hour or two at a time every six eight ten weeks Mm. you still have the it's it's every appointment is like you picked up from where you left off and people say things to their hairdresser they wouldn't say you're like the coach you're like the coach and confident aren't you really yeah totally so yeah absolutely so how, how long were you a hairdresser for so i worked behind the chair for 10 years mm uh, after 10 years, I had my daughter mm-hmm. and uh, during my mat leave, I was offered a position as a corporate trainer uh, with a, a hair color brand. And um, I thought that was my moment. Mm. That was like, it's a corporate job. That's the power suit moment. Yeah. Um, not to mention, you know, as a hairdresser, your hours are a little bit wonky and Um, so in my mind, my maternity leave mind, I had a baby and now I was going to have the corporate job and the hours were going to be nine to five and it was all going to be perfect. It was all going to be perfectly balanced. Uh, and so that was, uh, that remembering that accepting that part, that corporate job is what reminded me of that, uh, 
power suit moment. Mm. I never, ever wore a power suit. <laughs> never. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Um, but that feeling of like, okay, now I've made it was mm. there. Mm. And for the first five years of that, that trainer role, I also loved it. I also really loved it. Uh, and so then, what were you doing? Were you visiting salons and training them how to use the materials and that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I trained hairdressers how to use the product. Mm-hmm. And so some of that was creative and artistic. Some of that was very technical. And some of that was business building. Mm, quite fascinating, I thought, and quite an enjoyable thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was really good at it. Mm. <laughs> I was really, really good at it. Uh, well, which you, I mean, if the product works and, you know, and, it, and it's got a, and it's got a, got a good thing behind it and you can stand by those values and things, then, it, you know, that's, you, you know, it sells itself and then you sell it and you sell you, don't you? That's what happens. Absolutely. And I mean, I was working for the largest beauty brand in the world. So, okay. you know, that makes it easier. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes it easier. Um Uh, And being really good at it, actually, that was the catalyst and not knowing it, like not really owning it was the catalyst to, you know, being offered, oh, would you like to do this project? And I would say yes. And would you like to do this project? And I would say yes. And would you like to do this? And I would say yes. And, you know, fast forward another five years, um, I was actually working now, you know, 50 plus hours a week, not including traveling, because I was, you know, I was getting to go to across the country. I was getting to go to other countries, um, which, you know, sounded really exciting. Getting your air miles in. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And uh, I started to get more tired. I started to get more drained. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't connecting and I wasn't, like I was really just checking off boxes. I was, uh, okay, I did that check. Oh, okay, I did that check. I did that which is not the way I wanted to live my life. Mm. Not the way I wanted to live my life. Were you, I mean, you know, obviously these two roles that you had, I mean, one led into the other, but were you passionate about them? What was the, what was driving you in those roles? Is it the, the status you were gaining or was there, there something more? I mean, clearly in the hairdressing role, it was the actual connection with the people that was feeding you mm. at some level. Yeah, and you, you just caught the exact moment that I realized that okay I need to like reassess and reevaluate because for what my driving force was is the people mm. that was my driving force behind the chair I'm I'm a mediocre hairdresser at best honestly technically <laughs> I'm a mediocre hairdresser at best I'm really great at needs like finding those needs finding those desires and and actualizing them technically I'm I'm good yeah. But it was really that need and understanding the need below that, you know, I want to be blonde today, really understanding that need. Yeah. Um, so the people is what fueled me. And then as a trainer, it was the inspiring and connecting with the hairdressers that they can move forward, they can meet their goals. Um, and so that moment when it started to become about status and it started to become about checking off boxes, um, I thought at the time that that was what it was about Mm. Um, and I didn't know that until it started happening so Mm. when I started to get status when I started to get um, recognition when I started to I'm like oh oh like you're supposed to get this this is good this is good when I met people and I you know I gave them my fancy title which to me wasn't I mean I was 
um, education manager, national education manager. Like it's actually not that big of a deal, but it sounded like a big deal to other people. If you actually did the job, it's not a big deal. When Mm. I started to realize that the status isn't actually enjoyable, the status isn't fulfilling. Um, that's when I really started to question it. I was like, what is it that I want to do? And uh, I did resign from my position. Wow. And uh, Is that a leap of faith? It was a thousand percent a leap of faith. Wow. I resigned from my job and I went back behind the chair. And I went behind the chair as a sabbatical. Um, I have a, a business coach who laughs at me because she's like, I don't know anybody who goes to work as part of her sabbatical. Like, yeah, yeah, it works for me. Um, yeah, and then I really I did enjoy that year and I gave myself exactly a year. Um, I'm gonna work behind the chair, I'm gonna get some connection back in my life. And um so I did that. And uh luckily and gratefully, I went to work at a salon where I knew the owner, I'd known him for 15 plus years, I knew his vibe, I knew his, his energy, I knew I would be able to go to work, do the clients and leave. Mm-hmm. I knew I would have that comfort and that safety. Um, so the year came up. And uh, as as happens, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm recharged, I'm ready for something else. And uh, in my last few years working as a trainer, uh, I had been part of a launch of an empathy at work initiative. Uh, uh, the company launched a global empathy at work initiative and it piloted in Canada and I got to be part of that. Um, And so when I was like, you know, I really resonated with this empathy at work um, and I would love to have a more focused conversation about it Mm. as opposed to this sort of big global perspective. What would happen if we talked about empathy at work kind of one-on-one in a smaller environment and built small connections how would that ripple out uh and so that was where the the team coaching came from and small business team coaching came from um i was able to leverage my network uh Mm -hmm. and work with salons and then expand outside of salons and uh then the pandemic came (laughs) yeah the pandemic came and the pandemic for me was actually um equal parts halting and tough and energizing and momentum like momentum creating Mm. because people were comfortable online Mm. and so that opened a few more doors but in life it was tough (laughs) in life it was tough right and it was tough to get used to it and to figure out what to do next and how do you do it and there was so much learning to happen and but I definitely fall on the side of it was the, the interruption that I needed. Mm. And I would observe the interruption that some people needed. Some people needed. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think um, the pandemic has served its purpose. It's called a full stop. And lots of people are reconsidering their lives about where they go mm. from here and what they do next. I think it, it's caused a, a major fracture in a lot of things. Yeah. And and a lot of people are trying their best to bring it back and say, no, I'm going to go back to normal, but normal will never be normal again. Um, yeah. 
So that I, I, I uh, often interrupt that thought of going back. Like I can't wait till things are back to normal. Um, I tend to lean on the side of uh, I can't wait until we've moved through. Yeah. Until we've moved through. I don't even like the phrase new normal is a new normal. I don't know. I, it just sounds like a little no, band-aid that you're putting on. It does. It does, doesn't it really? I, I, yeah. And I think that what I feel I know this is your conversation, not mine, but it's my podcast, <laughs> so I can say I play like. I think it's time for us to be reimagining what, what humanity is for and what we do. Mm-hmm, and I don't know how we're going to do that because we've got to bring everyone together. But we need to reimagine something because it can't just be about more work, more money. It has to be, there has to be a bit more to this journey than, than that. And I don't have totally an answer agree. for it yet. I'm still, still, still digging. On that point, though, that's exactly what I'm loving about having these small team conversations, because in the small team conversations, uh, I'm able to create a place that is both rewarding for me, because I love hearing people's stories. I love like, and every time I hear somebody else's story, I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. Or I'm like, oh, how do I think of that? So there's 1000% a little bit of a selfish or I don't know if it's selfish, but there's definitely a gain in it for me personally. Mm. There's personally a gain for me because other people's questions, other people's situations, oops, other people's situations um, trigger mine. And yeah. I kind of get a new way to explore, a new way to think. Um, but through these little small conversations, I'm, uh, I'm understanding more about how hard it was for me to be a mom. I tend to be somebody who up until the last couple of years lived from the throat up from the ah. throat up, very cerebral yeah and so you know if I was tired in the morning my response would be of course you're tired the the baby woke up at 2 30 in the morning of course you're tired get going uh if you know I had too many glasses of wine at a cocktail party last night for work and I woke up in the morning feeling tired I would be like of course you're tired you drank more wine than you should have get going and I had a very um, matter of fact way of dealing with things, which in retrospect, I'm realizing um, served me well for a time, but was never going to serve me well forever. And so my daughter was 13 before I went, man, that's been a ride. Before I like slowed down and thought what it was like to be a mom before I thought about like, oh, when she was a baby, like that felt like this. And when she was six, it felt like this. And when she turned 10 double digits, it felt like this. I didn't really experience it. Mm, and I'm experiencing it in retrospect. That's hard to remember that really. Yeah. To, yeah. Is there a sadness around that? Yeah. yeah. I felt sad when I, in the last year and a half, when I started to really recognize um, there was an life interest- passes and we don't notice it yeah that's the point it does I mean yeah. each day comes and goes and we don't think about it but the years tick over and we don't think about those either and then suddenly you look back and go oh oh yeah yeah and on that same there's two other things that came up is in re like the sadness like experiencing that sadness was my daughter doesn't see it the same way and I had to be careful and mindful not to pass on my sadness to her Mm. because she actually doesn't know that I wasn't fully experiencing it. That's one thing I'm very aware. Yes. I'm very aware of that. All the things that I did with my son 
that I thought were wonderful, he only remembers them because I told him about them. Fair, yeah. There are those things too. Mm. And there's also things that I think I experienced very externally mm. and she received it that way. Yeah. But in the meantime, it wasn't sinking in. Like the joy mm. of this moment didn't sink mm. into me, but it did resonate for her. I would say to you now, I mean, as someone that's got a, 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 an older teenager, because he's, he's, he's 20 this year, I would say the time is your time is now yeah. to build that relationship with your daughter. Yeah. Because yeah. The, and those years are, are precious and valuable because as they get older. I mean, I was so moved recently when my son chose to put a picture on his one of his social media pages, a picture of him and me as his profile picture. Uh, and I don't think he realizes how much he touched me to know that he did that. Uh, you know, so it's like, yeah, you you build a relationship. You, what you're building now, you will pay you you re, you know you receive back as you go forward. Yeah, and that idea that it's not too late to remind myself that it's not mm. too late. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was that was up until now, and now what mm. um, is where I really am reminding myself, and I have to remind myself for sure, like you know. This thanks, morning for sharing she, that with us. thanks for sharing yeah. that with us because I just I just want to honor you and acknowledge you because that's a hard thing to share just just to say that. thank you so I interrupted you sorry that's okay that's okay <laughs> I have to remind myself even this morning we were talking a bit before we started that you know my daughter wouldn't get out of bed this morning and my automatic thought is oh I'm a terrible mother I should have made sure she went to bed earlier that's my automatic thought <laughs> you know come on she's 15 she can you know she can make some choices for herself about what time to go to sleep. So, um, so it's an ongoing just reminder to uh, to not go down that that path and to really start every day from now. And uh, yeah, and that's yes. what the that's what the pandemic did for me is to mm. remind myself I was I'm super privileged, grateful lucky I'm not sure exactly the word that you know I had stable income I have a house I have um, friends I would live in a neighborhood that was incredibly walkable so I didn't I didn't suffer the way some did mm. yes uh, living in one in one bedroom flats and that sort of stuff with nowhere to go right. it's pretty tough right yeah absolutely. um and I really yeah, I don't know what exactly the word is to describe it because they don't, none of them seem quite right, mm. but I'm aware. Mm. I'm aware that I didn't suffer the way many did. So moving on to what you're doing now, clearly yeah. you've, you've gone into this training side of stuff and you're doing training mm -hmm. and, and, and coaching with the sounds of it. So where's the passion that is? Is it back into this conversation with people and building community? Yeah. It's 100% yeah. that one-on-one yeah. -on -one and one-on-one, yeah. -on -one, one team. It's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the way people engage together that is really exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's not the same for me. It's the fire between people that yeah. I really, when you see those, um, you know, even the harmony, disharmony, repair cycle, when you see that between um, teams, oh, that I totally see that as a rock that got thrown in the water and the ripple effects, I know that, that that they were able to go through that harmony, disharmony repair is going to trickle out into the rest of their life. And that's actually what's exciting to me. Fantastic. And work is a really safe place to practice empathy. And mm. that might be 
contrary to what some people, it is contrary to what some people think because often when I say it, um, people are like, huh? There's built-in boundaries. Mm. At work, there's built-in boundaries. And so you can practice saying, um, you know, when we work together, I need uh, time to process. You can say that at work because you're allowed to set boundaries. Mm. At home, it's so much harder. At home, it's so much harder. Um, And so that's why I like this idea of starting at work Mm. because it's safe. There are topics about a project. There are topics about client relations. There are topics about deadlines. Like those are really like built-in boundary things. Mm. Whereas talks about love and relationship and that's, that's trickier. History is trickier. Politics, much trickier. (laughs) No matter where you live, no matter where you live. Um, But the point about it is, I mean, your empathy point of view is that we have got to find empathy in politics. There's too much polarization in your country and in mine. Mm-hmm. And why not Absolutely. so much your country, actually? When you are, oh, it's going that way. So, yeah, I know Canada is heading that way in some respects. What were the recent, uh, this, you know, the recent right, street protests with truckers and things? Yeah. But, you know, the US politics is a mess of polarity. Yeah, uh, France, really France, you know, France this weekend has a runoff election between two completely antithetical you know, people. I mean, you know, they're, they're so poles apart. Yeah. And if the wrong one gets in, the, the EU will fold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, we, we live in a world of really weird, weird polarities and empathy is the only way through. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I don't think empathy is uh, my experience with empathy in training it and in practicing it is that it's actually not as hard as, as people perceive it to be. It's gotten blurry. Um, My perception is that it's gotten really blurry empathy versus sympathy. Is it, do you think it's got blurry because we've dehumanized to some extent? It could be, Um, I'm sure that would be an interesting discussion to have like an interesting back and forth to have Mm. I wonder if it's more about socially we have been more and more we're we're socialized to set boundaries set boundaries set boundaries and to me boundaries are just like I I know I'm talking right now but it's that closing that door like this is as far as you can get and for me empathy is not about setting boundaries Empathy is about two people standing on the perimeter and working in the middle. So to me, boundaries are on the outside of people, not on the inside of people. Mm. See, I, I, I sense empathy as being able to put myself in someone else's shoes. It's my sense uh, of empathy. That's my favorite reference. Can I give you an opposing an opposing? Yeah, absolutely. Perception? Go for it. Uh, so empathy this the concept of empathy is being able to walk in somebody else's shoes is really common it's really but what happens if your shoes are painful for you but not painful for me oh yeah i still don't i can't i can't walk in your shoes if i'm not if i'm in pain can i i can't i can't take my painful shoes off can i really that can be part of it but also the idea is that what causes you pain might not cause me pain yeah true and what's comfortable for me might not be comfortable for you so it's almost walking in somebody else's shoes, 
I like to frame it a little bit more descriptively and saying, being able to know what it's like to walk in painful shoes, being mm. able to know what it's like to walk in comfortable shoes, being able to know what it's like to teeter on high heels, you know, more because then my pain and your pain don't have to be about the same situation. I also wonder, on a point of pain. I also, if there's a wonder, a, a resistance to empathy on mm -hmm. some level, because if I empathize with someone too much, then I cannot justify my own position. Sometimes, yeah. So if I'm looking at the guy on the street, the street vagrant on the street, yeah, I, I can empathize with him, but that's enough. I don't want to go there too close because now then, mm. then I've got to open my door, open my heart to him. I've got to do something else. And you know, that's actually uh, going farther than what empathy is. Empathy is just acknowledging and understanding and recognizing being curious. And then you have another decision about whether to do something about it. Mm. Whether your values, what's important to you, what you have resources for, time, money, energy, emotional energy for, has the capacity to do something about it. Just the act of being curious, opening, understanding, changes the situation. Mm -hmm. So you don't always have to tangibly do something just the act of putting out that openness and that curiosity can make a difference mm -hmm. and you won't be able to know what you can do tangibly until you're able to be in that that place of empathy uh, for the sake of my listeners because this is the mm -hmm. podcast I can really see <laughs> that you are engaged with this and that you are <laughs> And your eyes are sparkling when you're talking about it. So I can really see this is touching you when you talk about this stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, it certainly is your passion. You are certainly engaged with this for sure. Yes. Uh, look, I need to move us on because I'm going down rabbit holes here, which is lovely because I like going down rabbit holes and talking things <laughs> which I think are incredibly valuable at the moment and really, really part of the, with the conversation. Yeah. But I do need to hold myself to some account. So... <laughs> How I'm glad do you, you are because I won't. <laughs> no, I know you will. You won't because you didn't have the structure of the program I'm putting together. Uh, so how do you how do you see success for you? Because obviously, at once upon a time, it was a good haircut, but uh, uh, right, <laughs> right, and a happy client. But it, obviously, it's moved over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, success for me right now would will be um, having the community or the army of empathy champions uh, around me that are able to, in their small ways, um, embrace this idea of empathy at work and be able to um, be the catalyst in their professional teams so that their teams can be those uh, empathy champions in their homes. And then in their homes, it can spread into the next workplace or into the future generation. And so to me, success will be, um, there's a, um, a global perspective of success that I think about. And I imagine having this community of empathy champions um, where they're just really speaking, acting, practicing empathy because it is a practice and actively doing it. And so knowing that those people are out there and that I was part of that chain reaction will be a huge success mm. uh, measure and is a huge success measure. Um, and then, you know, for me, it's time and money freedom. For me personally, 
uh, I'm not, um, I often say I love Brene Brown, but I'm not looking to be Brene Brown. I would like to be in my little bubble and uh, have enough time and money to be spontaneous, to be flexible, to, um, to, be, to be okay taking a rest. Uh, to be okay that my daughter decides to take a rest and go to school an hour later. Um, so for me, in my own life, it would be having a place of time and freedom sense. Mm. I haven't, you know, because I am also very logical. I have to have a number of hours and dollars and I have that. But it's when I have the feeling that I'll be like, I'm here. I'm mm-hmm. totally here. And I look out and I'm like, and there's a whole bunch of empathy champions out there doing the same thing. Um, that's my measure of success. But you say you're not Bernie Brown, but you're here talking about a podcast, you know, and give it a few years, give it a few podcasts <laughs> under your belt. You don't know where you're going to end up. You know, the, I TED, the, yeah. the TED talk is waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not sure I would have the time freedom. If that oh, well, there we are. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure we could work it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, your your success model is nice. It's a nice model for you, and, and I can see you achieving it. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you don't achieve it, are you, is there a don't? Is there a like? Is it okay if you do or don't? Is there a? You know, I hadn't actually considered that I wouldn't. Okay, that's fine. I'm not, <laughs> I, I I don't mind either. I'm just trying to just exploring the yeah. fact that you know. Yeah. I mean, some people like when they don't reach their success goal it's crushing for them you know and it's like oh yeah the world has ended <laughs> you know I'm not a world has ended kind of kind of person mm-hmm. um when when it doesn't uh when it doesn't come the way I imagine it I actually kind of forget the way I imagined it and imagine it a new way um so <laughs> I think that's more likely to happen is that it will evolve as opposed to happen or not happen mm. You know, in three days, I'm going to be thinking about that. It's going to be like the power suit memory that I had. I'm going to be thinking about that. And in oh, well. three days, the answer is going to pop in my head. Well, let me know. <laughs> I will. I will do. So let's move on to contribution. Clearly, what you do has a massive contribution because of the sheer process around it. So uh, we'll take that one as read, but you can explain more about it if you want to. But well, how do you see yourself as contrib- contributing? I'm going to say that we, we did explore it. My contribution and my mm. sense of contribution is to be able to hold the space yeah. for others to be able to explore what empathy could look like in their lives. Mm. So that would be, we'll change it then. I mean, I, I always ask this, how do you contribute to yourself? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll do a double whammy. Uh, <sighs> number one, by seeping mindful of the, of the empathy with myself. Um, and yep. continuing to practice it because self-empathy is uh, at least twice as hard as empathy with others. And uh, for me, most recently, like in the last year and a half, it's been um, moving from my head into my body. Mm. And so doing things like taking better care of my body actually physically with food and um, you know, starting to do things like massage and acupuncture and nutritionists. Um, but in addition to that simple mindfulness and pausing to say, how am I feeling right now? Is there anything I need right now before that voice comes in? Okay, time to go. 
Well, so, also, I just acknowledge you because you did it this morning. Because when your daughter wouldn't get out of bed this morning, you you went to I'm a bad mother, and you, mm-hmm. you actually and you actually went no, that's not the point. You know, so you actually did check yourself yeah. on that one. Yeah, you were empathetic towards yourself this morning. I was. Thank you for reminding me. But that <laughs> is that that is how I contribute to myself. Is that pause and saying, yeah. how am I feeling right now, and is there anything I need right now? Okay, now brain, you can take over. And getting into my I'm 48 now and. The fact that I have really just learned how to check in with myself and how I'm actually feeling in the last year and a half is kind of remarkable to me. Like, how could I have not known this for 47 years? More the point, why does no one teach us this? Why is it not why is it not part of the curriculum that every child learns? Right. You know, I mean, yeah. all right, this is an aside, but I, I, there was a story of a, some, a new Buddhist monk, a Westerner, spending his first day in the monastery. And he's observing the monastery and he sees these young children being taught, standing in class. This is their first day in, in the monastery, these young children. And they're being taught. And, and all they're doing is they're standing there and they're breathing. They're going in and they're out. And they're in and they're out. And then the class finished. And he said to the teacher, what were you teaching them? And he says, we was teaching them how to breathe. And he's like, why are you this? Well, you breathe every day. You need to know how to breathe. It's just teaching them how to breathe properly. So they breathe deeply into their body and, and, and put oxygen to the bottom of their lungs. Now, you know, as you say, you only did half, you, know, you did below your neck sort of thing. And most people don't <laughs> breathe deep enough. But it's like, you know, <laughs> fundamental things of life. We just don't teach our kids in the West. No, no. <laughs> And so I, I, my daughter rolls her eyes at me, you know, all the time when I talk about it, but I'm really, how I contribute to her yes. is that I don't give up Role model. no matter how Role many model. times. Yeah. No matter how many times she rolls her eyes at me, I'm like, you're going to remember how you feel when you're 24, not 48. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. like. Role model. And I, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I have this, it comes back at me because I, I hear the things I've said in the past come back to me from my son now. And I kind of go, mm, job done. That's those, I haven't got any of those moments yet. No, you know, but they're nice. Got a few and, years and you, you, you mustn't go, I told you so. <laughs> yes, no, no. Oh, really? That's new on me. <laughs> <laughs> Act surprised. (laughs) So what's the one question you like people to ask themselves? I think I keep getting ahead of myself on these answers, but the question I'd like them to ask themselves is how am I feeling right now? And what do they, and what, what do they do with that answer when they get it? (laughs) How am I feeling right now Mm -hmm. in itself is, can be a tricky place to get at. So in the beginning, I would challenge them to do nothing with it. Just notice it, you know, how am I feeling right now? I'm feeling tired. Oh, Mm. that's it. And when, and then there is a phase two, which is what's much more helpful. But once you've started to consistently remember, uh, recognize and acknowledge how you're feeling, then you can ask yourself, what do I need right now? And Mm. then act on that need, whether it's a request, a need of someone else, a need of something, a need, like I need a drink of water. Those two questions have made a remarkable difference to my clarity, to my um, self-empathy, to my connection with others. 
It's... Well, what those two questions do is they bring you to the here and now. They bring you into your body and into who you, where you are now. So they take you out of the past and out of the future. They bring you to the mm-hmm. present. Yeah. And, you know, as we all know, the point of power is in the present. You only do things in the present. And when you are present with your body and your mind, that's when yeah. you are most available. So the question, you know, those questions are incredibly powerful. So, yeah, you know, very valid, very valid indeed. So going forward, what is it that you do with people or for people? Who are you looking to talk to? Really what I do with and for people and with is the first word um, with and for people is to help them identify their roadblocks there, you know, I talked about those boundaries either being between people or behind people, Mm. those boundaries being between people, what are they? Because most times they're not what the surface is saying. Mm -hmm. And so that first part will be to figure out what are the boundaries? What are the roadblocks? What are the barriers that are causing this disruption? Mm -hmm. And then the second phase would be to figure out what their success measures would be. If we were to move these roadblocks, what, much like you did with me. So we have a, a similarity there. And then the gap. And then we custom design uh, an initiative that will work with their time resources, their financial resources, their values, their goals to just bit by bit remove those and build it up. And it's not a step one, two, three. It's not a magic solution. It's something that I'll be there to be the bird's eye view to help guide teams through it. If that's a team of three or a team of 30, we'll figure it out. Is this a a team kind of thing that you do with companies or is this like a group of friends? How is it done? Is it normally done through companies and businesses? I've been really focusing on business uh, recently, especially the last year and a half and especially the last six months as businesses are changing the way they're working. Yeah, I found it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding it really interesting to help teams professional teams reassess how they're working yeah um I do have sort of this like dream and I have two dreams in my background is I would love to work with groups of friends I think that would be super cool because some long-term friendships are still very surface you know they're friends by history as opposed to friends by connection um so I do have that and then there's also um a creative element that uh I would really love to bring into so you know creating teams, creating pieces of art based on their connection. Mm. That's a a long-term dream for me to be able to have that sort of, um, as like, you know, we've been working together for one year or two years or three years. And this is the culmination of the work you've done. That's like my, that's my, uh, that would be a success measure. It would. It sounds fantastic. It sounds fantastic. I I had put that as, you know, something in the future, but I hadn't actually put it as a success measure, but just as you I was responding to you. I was like, hey, that's a success measure. It is. Put it together. Let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So how would people get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, right now, the easiest place to get in touch with me is LinkedIn. Lovely. Or my website, which is georgiareynolds.ca. It's super easy. Um, uh, I am on Instagram, but that's very infrequent and also very personal. So if you want to know about me, you can find me there. But my professional piece is, is on, online. Oh, thanks, Jen. Lovely. Well, all those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. And uh, so do get in touch with Georgina because she's lovely. She's lovely to talk to. She's, and she's, that's what she's talking about as well. So definitely worth checking her out. So I get to the last question, the one that we ask all of our guests. What's the meaning of life for you? 
I knew you were going to ask me this one. And so I'm like, I have to have a really like amazing answer for it. And uh, no, you don't, don't know. <laughs> it's your answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have an amazing answer for it. The meaning of life for me would, it really is to have connections that are able to, are deep enough, connections that are deep enough and meaningful enough that they make an impact that they, that you were, that I'm remembered. That would be important to me that I remembered as somebody who made a difference, but even more that whatever the connection I I had with somebody, it was meaningful enough that they were able to have a connection with somebody else and somebody else. And that's with my friends. That's with my, my family and professionally as well. That's nice. That's a nice, mm-hmm. nice meaning. And, and the point of meaning is, meaning is a very personal thing. It's what works for you. Mm-hmm. And there's no right. It's I mean, I've, I... had, I've had hundreds of different answers to this question. And, you know, and <laughs> some are very similar. But, you know, yeah. it's a nice one. Connection. Yeah. Fine. And that ripple effect, you know, that's what creates evolution, I think, is that, you know, we've had a connection and then they've had a connection and then they've had it. That's the evolution. It is. I think that's nice. Georgia Reynolds, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. It's been such a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. Thank you. It's been really fun to talk to you. Your your questions and your storytelling uh, were enjoyable. Were really fun. Thank you so much. All the best. Yeah, you too. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Georgia Reynolds. If you'd like to catch up with Georgia, do check out her LinkedIn page. You can also find her at georgiareynolds.ca. Now, Georgia and I are going to get together and do a LinkedIn Live at some point because there were some questions that came up on this podcast around empathy and we didn't have a space to explore them on the show. So we thought to explore them as a live video on LinkedIn. Now, you can find that by going directly to my LinkedIn page. And after the event, the link will be available on the podcast app and with all the other links for Georgia at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means. That is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions, ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. 
And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best. Thank you.